Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, not wearing the customary blue shirt today. I guess that's progress. And uh, I'm here with Murray McCormick. I think we've seen that uh, that uh, shirt before. I, and, I didn't think uh, we you'd were be here to uh, do the what I'm guessing to be one of the final editions of Rider Rumblings podcast for this year. We're going to keep doing this till after the Grey Cup, but uh, Rough Riders are obviously not a factor in that. Um, they've already decided the direction in which they are proceeding for 2022 or the direction they're not proceeding in the case of select individuals. So Murr, just off the top, what did you, uh, did, what did you make of that yesterday? First off, thank you for doing it quickly. Thank you for not extending this over to the next two weeks for needing us all this speculation. The riders made a decision, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it. They made a decision to retain Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. I find, I just, just, I would say they, they, they fired, uh, Jason Mazda, they didn't renew the contracts of uh, Stephen Searles and Travis Murphy. I wonder the, the difference in wording there, but I guess that's just the way things no, are. One one guy had a year left on his contract, the other two did yeah. not. Okay, hey, that's good. I didn't think of that, Rob. Thank you for pointing me on the straight and narrow on that one. Speaking of one-year contracts, it's interesting that the riders in uh, Doday and Dickinson are only signed through 2023, which you and I both said was a good idea, but then when you look at it, what kind of people are they going to get to replace Moz and replace Sorrells and replace more based on a one-year contract? Because you want to have some certainty. You want to have some sort of continuity. And so if you're looking for an offensive coordinator, you, they usually get two-year deals. And I don't know what kind of players and what kind of quality they're going to get to fill that hole based on a one-year deal. Now, we're contradicting ourselves because we both said we signed O'Day and Dickinson or keep retain them. But it's not but without complication. Yeah, but when you look at the bigger picture, you go, well, who's going to come here for one year of an offensive quit? Is it going to be some older guy looking for work just to keep things going for another year? Is it going to be a really young guy looking to maybe break in? Break in? But there's, there's no way that Craig Dickens can say to him, yeah, but 
you can get a two-year deal because you're not going to get a two-year deal because I only have a one-year deal. So I, I don't know how they get, that's going to be an interesting negotiating part on the riders on the riders side of how they get quality people to take over these new positions. But I don't know, Rob, it's, it just, it just seemed that's one of those thoughts you have in the shower in the morning, but Hey, well, one year deal, how can they, how can they move forward from that with such a short window? Yeah. It, it wasn't so much a vote of confidence in this regime, but an ultimatum and the one year deal could basically be a five game deal. If they don't, if they don't start uh, robustly next year. And, and there is the advantage, I think there, the, the, the upside uh, to having a regime that's on the clock or could be on the clock when you're trying to find an offensive coordinator, et cetera, because somebody might look at that as an opportunity thinking, look, if these guys are out the door, I might be a head coach by August. If it's the right person, they might make that offensive coordinator, the head coach, because you're going to have to have somebody on staff that can be elevated. So there might be, you, there might be a, I'm not sure if, uh, vulturous is the right word, but somebody might look at it and think, hmm, I could become a CFL head coach with the uh, uh, commensurate salary uh, pretty quickly if these guys stagger out of the gate. Or that the same person could be looking for a job this time next year as well. I, I think there's more downside than upside to this one-year arrangement in terms of trying to find a staff. In terms of replacing Travis Moore and Stephen Sorrells, that's not really a huge deal because those are t- typically – contracts that are renewable year to year to year anyway but like you said the offensive coordinator the defensive coordinator are generally uh, multi-year positions and you don't want the rough riders don't want that person to be out of sync uh with the uh, head coach and gm for, for practical purposes in terms of um the the football operations cap if they do end up uh, cleaning house and it just doesn't there's a certain illogic to having your offensive coordinator under contract for a longer duration than your gm or your head coach i also wonder what effect it might have on their recruitment of the next quarterback here uh would that person let's just call him bo levi mitchell <laughs> want to have some assurance that this is a regime that uh you can you can ally yourself with for uh, for a longer period as opposed to being a one and done along with the rest of them. And uh, you could always structure the contract in a manner, say, reminiscent of, of Zach Kalaros's deal where there's guaranteed money, but not until year three. But if you're the Rough Riders, I don't think you can give Bo Levi Mitchell that guarantee because you're not sure, based upon the last couple of years, if he, if he could be the guy for year one. So how do you lock yourselves into a guarantee for year three? So it would have to be a almost a a leap of faith on the on the part of the quarterback thinking okay i have confidence in these guys i think they're going to be around here for two or three years this is where i want to go and you can't have that confidence as, as a quarterback coming in here especially when you see what happened to cody Fajardo under this regime where they absolutely did a 180 on him with two games left in the regular season i wonder if that too is going to be a factor where you where you think okay uh in 20 2021, right before the playoffs, they demote Isaac Harker. 2022, two games before the season's over, Cody Fajardo gets relegated. And they don't give Jake Dolagala a look because they want to press a second global. I don't get that one. And uh, so if you're a quarterback coming in here, I think you have to have serious questions about how uh, receptive this place is to uh, a quarterback in general. And then you factor in the one-year contracts and uh, it's another issue as well. I think it's going to be a uh, an impediment to getting the people in here that uh, are needed to turn to turn things around. 
I would like to think if you're going through the interview process with an offensive coordinator, you might be able to sense if you're hiring a guy who's looking to take over your job if things don't go well. I would like to think you have more of an insight into this person, more of a friendship that realizes he's just doing it in case I fool, in case we mess up again like we did last year. I would hope the interview process would go better than that. I do agree with you, Rob, on that, and we always agree on most things and stuff. That I disagree. It isn't a, okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on whether we agree. Uh, I, I think they have put themselves in a bit of a hole with, with how they're going to get what kind of quality of the people and what kind of quarterback is. And Bo Levi, I think at Bo Levi's age and experience, he's looking for a little longer-term deal. He'd want that. And the the the, uh, the, pres- the uh, precedent is there, as you said, with Zach. So I think – I don't know how they're going to sell things. And they also have to uh, – you know, I'm not t- talking about the football, but I think they also have to tell sell the fans on what they're doing. And I, I didn't get a chance to ask Craig that question yesterday because I wanted to say, because I mentioned that, like, how do they sell this to the fans that this is a step forward for the riders? Because here's another thought I had, Rob, and I was going to throw this at you and I hope you're, you're, it sounds like you're ready to chat. Are the riders better today than they were yesterday? What do you think? Do they, do they just move and prove them? Or does it just maintain the status quo with the hope they can find someone down the road That'll make this miserable season, not but but a distant memory. Are they a better team today than they were at the end of the season? What do you think, Rob? Well, I would say yes because thankfully that season's over, so it's not clouding our perspective. We don't have to watch them anymore. But um, I think they're better because the questions have been answered and they now have a clear direction. Whereas for the last month there was so much speculation. Now they know who is going to be in charge at the start of the season, and I think they've really come to grips with what they did wrong and what they need to fix. For the upcoming year, uh, I asked Jeremy O'Day on Tuesday how much responsibility he accepted, and I was so impressed with his answer. There wasn't any equivocation in that. It was he basically put it on himself, and he knows that uh, there needs to be a quarterback, and he knows that there needs to be an offensive lineman or an offensive line that's much better. I think my dog is well aware of that by now. Everybody knows it, but I think part of the battle is for them to really understand. The, the plight that they were in. I got the feeling watching this team this year and following it, they never right, quite realized how bad they were. And even when Craig Dickinson said that point blank after the game against Edmonton, then he walked it back. Um, they never really, they kept hearing what a great group of people they had in the locker room, about all this talent they had and, and these great weeks of practice. And then they go out in the field and you were hoping there was a decent halftime show because that's pretty much all there was <laughs> to, to, to watch bring back the super dogs. And so, uh, I think they, they finally got a very – it's like they finally realized what everybody's been seeing for the past three, two or three months. This is a bad football team in, in need of massive repairs, and now they're finally acknowledging it. And they – I think uh, recognition of the problem is is one step toward resolving it. I don't think they really – it's like they were in denial. Uh, mm-hmm. They kept talking about if we get into the playoffs, we're going to scare some people. Well, <laughs> there was almost a presumption, I think, at some point that they were somehow going to back into the playoffs via the crossover. And uh, that never materialized, never came close as it turned out. Now they've it's all been laid bare and they understand where they've got to go. And maybe maybe this humbling uh, will uh, make everybody better. I, I remember when Roy Shivers and Danny Barrett were in this situation entering the 2006 season. Now, it certainly didn't end well for Roy Shivers because he was fired in August of that year. But before doing so, he made a trade with the Hamilton Tiger Cats that brought them not only Kerry Joseph, but Darian Durant. So last time the Riders were in this situation, they got two great cup winning quarterbacks in one trade in one trade because they realized 
they needed to set off, a, they needed to do something major to fix what was a glaring deficiency. And Roy Shavers made that trade. So maybe being under the gun um, as uh, Roy Shivers and Danny Barrett were in 2006 would be beneficial to Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. And this isn't a time for just tinkering. You need to really overhaul a lot of what you're doing. And maybe there's a, maybe there's an answer out there uh, such as the one Roy Shivers found 16 years ago. Where's the time gone? I found it interesting that the defense was untouched in this sort of uh, purge. But because the defense, you know, maybe they're basing it on the first half of the season because the second half of the season, the defense wasn't what it was like when it started. And that goes back to that July 8th game when Pete Robertson got hurt and uh, A.C. Leonard got hurt and Garrett Marino lost his mind and uh, led to the whole other issues and things like that. But defensively, they they weren't the best team in the league by any stretch by the by, by the closing out of the season, yet all the defensive guys are, well, they're not, they, they're most, other than Jason Shivers, who's on a, another, has, has another one year left on his contract. The rest of the guys are one year contracts. So it'll be interesting to see how many of them come back. Craig says he'd like them all to come back. He'd like to retain them all. And I think that's a sign of loyalty on Craig's behalf. But, you know, there's, they got, wouldn't, wouldn't, just wouldn't Cody, doesn't Cody Fajardo wish there had been that loyalty? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't it? <laughs> sorry I think the defense they can't let the defense off scot-free here we've got to say there was some there are issues with defense I think the linebackers were fine I think the defensive line was an issue and the secondary when your defensive line is not getting any pressure your secondary looks like the Riders secondary did and I don't know how many of them how many free agents they have I would expect there's three uh, nation has the whole list up there up, up there now oh did so, they put it up there because yeah. I was one of the things you try to go through and keep track of free agents, but sometimes the team doesn't tell you how long they signed for. So it's a bit of a guessing game with that, with their free agents. But they have got to have a lot because last year was the year of the, the one-year contracts. And I think with the opportunity for guaranteed contracts now, maybe there'll be less free agents down the road. But uh, I think you're calling it up now, Rob, aren't you? Yeah, so we'll go ahead. And amuse people with my thoughts. Uh, uh, I think one of the things, I'm, I know it's not Ryder football, but I'm really looking forward to the semifinals this weekend. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, a lot of interest in football. And who would have believed the Tiger Cats would be in a semifinal? I got the free agent list here. I must be very quick to credit this to Three Down Nation, uh, in particular John Hodge, uh, fellow jazz fan. Quarterback, Cody Fajardo. Running back, Shaq Cooper, Jamal Morrow. Morrow's a big one. Fullback, James Tuck. Receivers, Mary Alford, Shaq Evans, Jake Hardy, Wesley Lewis, uh, Justin McKinnis, Kyron Moore, Mitchell Pickton, Duke Williams. Offensive line, Jamal Campbell, Dan Clark, Brendan Labatt, for all it's worth, Josiah St. John, Taryn Vaughn. Defensive line, Charbel DeBeer, Charleston Hughes, Anthony Lanier II, Pete Robertson. Linebacker, Larry Dean, Nigel Harris, Jordan Herdman-Reed, Justin Herdman-Reed, uh, Gary Johnson Jr., Darnell Sankey. There's a biggie. Defensive back, Jordan Bolio, Blaise Brown, Jeremy Clark, Mike Edom, Nick Marshall, Roland Milligan, Godfrey Onyeka. Kicker. Kari Vedvik. There is a list of free agents. Courtesy of 3downnation.com. Well, you did with that quickly of that group. When I look at immediately, I would like to see the big Darnell Sankey back. I think he's a uh, he was a huge part of this team. He was their double nominee for most outstanding player, most outstanding defensive player. I think in a locker room that from the outside, didn't appear to have a lot of leadership. I think he provided that leadership. He seemed to be, he became a go-to guy, and as much as you can have a go-to, go-to guy in the world of in the scrum world of sports, he was a guy who provided great insights into the team. And 
He, they have to resign him. I don't know, Rob. What do they do with Cody? Like he's a free agent. Oh, that's they bring him back with. Hmm? They, they can't bring him back now. Especially they have to bring him regime. back with a caveat. They have to say, okay, you can come back. You've got to trust your offensive line. You've got to reduce your happy. You got to stop the spinorama into sacks. You've got to be more of a leader. You've got to be less. I'm going to have to say a less whiny. But when things go badly for you, being taken and that happened, you you know what would happen. Just and it's not whiny isn't the right word, but he was honest and frank, and I love it. Cody, Cody got way. Cody got the, the raw end of the deal here. I don't blame him for saying anything that he did after everything he'd done for this team for three years and playing hurt and uh, put, playing behind a bad offensive line and taking so much of the, an inordinate amount of criticism. And then with two weeks left in the season, right out of the blue, they demote him. That was a slap in the face. They humiliated him. And yeah. uh, Cody being as honest as he was uh, spoke in those terms. It didn't use that, that term precisely, but you could tell it stung. I don't blame him a bit. There's no way Cody Fajardo's back. The only way Cody Fajardo could be back is if they if they'd cleaned house. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you've got the same head coach and same general manager under whom that happened. And you can't you can't just say to a quarterback, "Don't have happy feet." It's human nature. And if you're in this in the pocket and you're wary of the offensive line and you have that accumulated baggage, you're going to be uneasy in the pocket. Not unlike Tom Brady has been a couple of times when yeah. the when the Tampa Bay offensive line has been bad. Not unlike Joe Burrow, not unlike Matt Ryan. These are three quarterbacks who've been in Super Bowls, and we've seen evidence lately of a, a poor protection affecting their composure in the pocket. So Cody Fajardo certain, she certainly shouldn't be immune from that, and he certainly shouldn't be immune from criticism. But the amount that he received was was inordinate, and I think the treatment that he received from the organization, it was just they pulled the rug out from under him late in the year. And, and I think he needs a fresh start because I don't think there's a – the significant amount of the, or a huge enough significant significant amount por, uh, uh, enough portion of the fan base that's going to embrace him. I think they have to be able to sell something new as well. They can't sell that anymore. They, they, I mean, I, I get the question so often: What does this mean for Cody Fajardo? I think there's a better chance of Tino Sinceri quarterbacking the Rough Riders next year. And I say that with, with no disrespect and contentment for Cody. Both parties need to need a divorce from one another here. But is there someone out there? We talk about Bo Levi Mitchell, and we don't know who the. I haven't looked at the other free agent quarterbacks, and it's that'll come up. Is there a replacement? Are the riders kind of going to go evaluate all of the different positions, all the quarterback positions, to say, well, if Bo Levi doesn't want us, we've only got one experienced guy, and that's got to be Cody. He's got to come back, and they've got to go maybe begging, say, come back. And well, that last year was a, was a sign of what we had to do. We're looking for a spark for the offense. We're looking to change things the only way you can really do that in a must-win game is that quarterback because if you change the defensive tackle it doesn't make any difference you back charleston Hughes, it doesn't do anything so maybe they're, they're in a spot where they can't afford they have to sign cody which you and i both know i is can't pretty see rare, that, I but they, they put see them, that that possibility exists but they've painted themselves into a corner because i don't think mason fine isn't the answer he shows some flashes but he's shown that last game against calgary's backup so i think he'll make a fine backup in the cfl play well and Jake Dalagala showed some shows a little bit against Toronto they also showed the fact that they didn't want to take Cody off the roster and being Jake on the roster tells me something they don't have any confidence in Jake or they just they really wanted to win this last meaningless game and they didn't want to give get Jake a look a at him what other purpose is there for that last game excepting to look at look at players for next year especially if I think they had they certainly have to have a pretty strong suspicion by them that they were going to be back um 
why didn't they use that as a, as a tool to evaluate Jake Dolagala? Uh, it wouldn't provide all the answers, but maybe it would have provided a bit, or a bit of hope. Now we all know that Tommy Stevens on two plays oh. nearly rushed for more yardage than than uh, than Mason Fine threw for, and they didn't get a look at Levi Lewis. They didn't get a look at Jake Dolagala. So what was the purpose of that last game? I should have gone to the Pats game. The Pats' ever Everett game was outstanding. Um, so... They can't go back to Cody. And I I, mean, I think the world of Cody Fajardo is a person. I think he's been unduly maligned as a quarterback, but they just cannot go in that direction again because they need to radiate newness and need, need to radiate a change. And if they just go back to Cody, I think it would be a sign of capitulation on their part too. And it's basically a tantamount to an admission of failure that they couldn't, even they couldn't recruit or find or trade for a quarterback who was superior to the one that they benched with two weeks left in the regular season this year, they might as well fire everybody at the, on the spot right then if that's <laughs> the best they can do because it's it'll be embarrassing and maybe they deserve that embarrassment after what after what happened to Cody. I don't mean to show you Man, that release. bugs me. <laughs> oh, I know that's. I'll put you in a little better mood here. They, they released the CFL All Stars today just oh. now, Rob. Darnell Sankey. Anybody? Any other riders? Uh, just Keon Schaefer Baker. It looks like on my quick examination here. Well, this is the West West All Stars today, right? West All Stars, yeah. So uh, I'm just looking quickly here. Sorry, folks, bear with me for a second. Well, Keon Schaefer Baker. There's another guy. Feed him the football until he gets a yes. thousand yards on Saturday. He got 25 yards on five catches. Now they targeted him ten times, but they should have they should have made sure if nothing else on Saturday, Keon Schaefer Baker comes out of the season with a thousand yards. This is a team that needs good good news stories. Why couldn't so they Schaefer find Baker's a way? You've got to throw him 20 passes for three for three or four yards a pop. Do it. Get him his 1,000 yards. Schaefer Baker is the, all, the only all-star. Interesting that Mario Alfred didn't get the special team all-star, but he got the West Division nominee for special teams player. Who is the special teams? Janarian uh, Grant. Remember he's yeah, from Winnipeg? How did that really good. Yeah, but Mario Alfred's a division finalist. He had four kick return touchdowns. Yeah, that's weird. That's make sure I got it right. Special teams, yeah, it was my goodness. Interesting. Yeah, and so that's an interesting one. Lucius Purefoy, former writer, got the All Star nod at safety, which was a tough choice for me. I remember doing that. I'm just looking through. How the does Janarian Grad get best kick returner? Get oh my goodness, that's a strange one there. That's yeah. A, blame the media for that one. Not exactly. No, I I'm trying to remember. The fans had a percentage in this vote. I thought. Oh, that must uh, be so by, But that's uh, a sign, though, when you look at a team out, out, out of five teams in the West Division, they had two All-Stars. I mean, and they should have had three. Let's give them that. But yeah. uh, if you look at this roster, I think it says a lot, too. Like, I look at this roster, I don't see a lot of players who should be in the category of untouchable. Nobody on the offensive line. Like, yeah. absolutely nobody. I hope Dan Clark can come back and have a, have a good year. I think he's... I think that's worth worth considering, but he's going to be 35 next season, so you you can't think that that is your absolute linchpin anymore. Uh, but I still think he's better than anybody else they're going to get, and he's also the kind of leader they need. The quarterback isn't untouchable. Uh, Jamal Morrow is is a free agent, and bringing him back would be advisable. But I'm not sure that Frankie Hickson isn't a better back. None of the receivers are untouchable except for Keon Schaefer Baker. Yeah. He may entertain NFL options. No, he's um, signed. He's signed through twenty three. But he can but still. But he can still use the NFL window, yeah, right? So he's, but I think uh, defensive would. line. Not a soul on that defensive line is untouchable. Um, now Pete Robertson, after the injury, wasn't the same player. 
Uh, AC Leonard uh, was was playing hurt for a significant portion of the season. He's under contract for next year, mm-hmm. but that's not a two hundred thousand dollar player anymore. They're going to have to rework that deal. Uh, offense linebackers. The only untouchable there is Darnell Sankey. Larry Dean, as well as he played this year, is still put you know well over thirty. And and uh, Derek Moncrief, most of the big plays he made were in the first half of the year. Secondary, mm-hmm. nobody's untouchable. So. Uh, how many foundational Brett. players do they actually have right now? It's you, Brett Lother and You can count the you, and Brett Lother's in his, his numbers are. I mean, is everybody is really likes Brett Lother as a person, and and, uh, and I am one of them. But if you look at the numbers, they're not that really that impressive. Let me call them up here. Go ahead while I. Uh, while I ramble here, while I, I think you touched upon Brett as a person. He did a lot. Of, he does so many things in the community. He was such the point man on the Touchdown Atlantic, that and also, and I know it's you don't really see this much, but boy, he was he was the point guy on the strike. He but here we go, the, Brett Lawther, eighty-two okay. percent of his field goals. Now, once upon a time, eighty-two percent was very good, yeah. but in this in this case, it puts him in the bottom third of the league. What was Here's Sean the percentages. White? Sean White, 92.3. Yeah. Seth Small, 90.7. Rennie Paradis, that is typical 90. Uh, David David Cote, 86.3. Uh, Lewis Ward, 86. Sergio Castillo, 84.1. Seventh in the league, Brett Lawther, 82.0. Mark, uh, Mark Leggio actually had a better percentage, 82.1. Boris Beattie, 78.2. So the only but, kicker in the league that uh, had a – a uh, lower percentage, only regular kicker in the league that had a lower percentage than Brett Lawther on field goal attempts was Boris Beattie. So, but Brett it, likes to point out who had made the most and the longest field goals. Like he says, a lot of these guys are going to hear Lewis Ward had that Lewis Ward had that record setting. But what year. about the two field goals against Edmonton that were eminently, eminently makeable? Yeah, right. Um, you know, no I just, uh, I'm not I'm not sitting here dumping all over Brett Lawther. I certainly advocate. Uh, him being the kicker for a long time, but the, the that's two years in a row now. The numbers haven't been what they were in his first year when he hit an even ninety and was was terrific. Yeah. But is he signed through twenty twenty? You know, Brett Lother uh, under forty yards, twenty eight for thirty one, forty plus thirteen for nineteen. Hmm. So. Um, uh, much better than Boris Beattie, 15 for 26. But uh, Mark Leggio, 11 for 15. Sergio Castillo, 14 for 20. Uh, Lewis Ward, 11 for 17. So uh, he, that Lothar is better than him. David Cote, 16 for 20 out of uh, above 40 yards. Randy Paradis, 14 for 19. So pretty much comparable to Lothar. Seth Small, 10 for 13. Better percentage, fewer kicks. But he's no longer among the upper upper crust in terms of accuracy from that range either. Uh, average field goal made 34.7. That appears to be middling based upon a cursory inspection of the mm-hmm. stats. So but Brett he's Lothar least, can improve too. He's the, but he's the least of the right is concerned. No, I'm going to have to tell you people, you're going to make people laugh, Rob, because your forehead just took over the whole screen when you were reading those numbers. So it's pretty, pretty <laughs> well, it's, We can have funny. a forehead contest here. Yeah, I, think, I think you had a little more. It's pretty funny. Sorry, but... I, th- I still think mm. he's mm. <laughs> old SCTV. There's some John Candy going on here. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, as you said, the Riders have they kind of maintain status quo with some shakeups, and we'll see what it does for the rest of the next six weeks. Because I have a feeling it's going to be pretty quiet over there for a while. I think they're going to be recovering from the Great Cup and the Great Cup Festival, and uh, well, it can't be too quiet. 
They've got a yeah. coaching staff to fill out. And they also have an off-season to consider. And and this is the other thing. Free agency doesn't happen until February. And they they want to sell season tickets before then. But who do they have to hang it on? So I think they need a bit of a marquee presence. And Arash Badani talked about this on CKM on the Sports Cage a while back, about how they need to get bullied by Mitchell, not only as a quarterback, but as someone who's going to sell this team uh, to the public over the course of the offseason. And by mid-February, a lot of that offseason is gone. And we're close by February. We're closer to the regular season starting than we are, you know, to it ending. So um, would there would there be something to be said for Hey Calgary? Here's a fourth round draft choice. Give us the right Give us the rights to Bo Levi Mitchell so that we have exclusive negotiating rights through mid February. Then you make the deal, and then you uh, you've got his rights, and then you come to a contra- contractual arrangement in advance of free agency thereby allowing you to market him during the offseason. Is That's he as the much answer, as a, Rob? Is, is he who the, else is? Who else is? I know, but the thing, don't forget, he got benched too. But he got benched a lot earlier this he season. He got benched was... behind, just by playing behind a better offensive line. But they, yeah. they put themselves in a situation where the, they they really can't be too, too, too choosy right now. And they mm-hmm. also need to consider the marketing aspects of what they do. And what other quarterback who is, who is out there or might be out there has the cachet, the Bo Levi Mitchell? The quick answer is nobody. They've got to they've got to make that deal, get his rights, and and sell, 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 Bolivar Mitchell to the people of Saskatchewan and sell their team because right now they have nothing really that's very marketable. At the same time that they are facing their most crucial selling uh, season, uh, all that work is done during the off season, and they want to have that bankable money by the time training camp starts, and they don't want to be as reliant on walk up crowds. So you've, they've got, to, and they've also got to re- resolve the quarterback situation. So, uh, so one Dickinson can talk to the other Dickinson. Jeremy O'Day can talk to whomever and say, okay, Jock can talk to Huff. What's it going to take? Do you want a fourth? Do you want a fifth? Um, you know, give us the rights to him, and uh, and and then we then we, then you can talk to Bolivar Mitchell. Get a deal done right before Christmas if you can, and sell, 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 sell. Okay, but none and of that's going to happen. He's got something left in the tank. None of that's going to happen until at least after the Grey Cup. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because right. there's not, I asked, there's not technically a moratorium, but there's kind of a period of, you have to approach teams to say if you can talk to this guy or this guy, which is which you have to do. But I don't think you're going to be able to call up Huff and say, that can we do this now? Because they're a little busy right now. With no, I'm, I'm not talking right now, but there's, once the Grey Cup's over, we'll do it. December. We've got to run. Murray, yes. thank you so I'll much. I'll walk quickly. Um, I'll walk quickly. <laughs> <laughs> While you're going to run, I'm going to go for a bike ride. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email me at rvanstone@postmedia.com, and we'll read it on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Rob Vanstone or Murray at MurrayLP. Murr, thank you so much. We'll do this again next week and the week after and uh, uh, for an indeterminate period following that. And thank you so much for being with us and uh, hope you enjoyed our ranting and raving and whatever pontificating. Rob ranting. Rob ranting. I got really fired up today. Thanks, Murr. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Okay.